Amen. Do you love him this morning? Oh, man, that's bad. Do you love him this morning? Amen. Amen. So we uh, started a, uh, a series, and for the last three weeks, uh, we have uh, uh, talked about something that, that I love. And um, so everyone knows at this point that I love coffee. Now, if you didn't know that, before we started this series, you have learned that and know that now. Now, I've made fun of Folgers and Maxwell House and hot chocolate. Folgers, Maxwell House, and, and hot chocolate, uh, I've made fun of. And um, I started getting text messages uh, after last week's sermon and said, you know what, I love hot chocolate. I offended some people. They say you really haven't started pastoring until you've offended people. So I did it over hot chocolate. But if you've been around here very much, you know that I am open and I am transparent. And, and I have to confess something to you this morning. I had a moment of weakness this week. A moment of weakness. Everybody just grabbed their pew. What's the pastor getting ready to tell us? So someone had asked me to meet them for a cup of coffee. And it just so happened on this day, it was the third person that had asked me to meet them for a cup of coffee. I had breakfast with someone, I had lunch with someone, and then I had an afternoon appointment. So the first two, I had Americanos. By three o'clock, I had had enough coffee. So I walked to the counter, and I ordered an iced turtle. Don't ask me what it was, because I have no idea. I just looked at the lady, and I said, I don't really want coffee. And the person that was with me looked at me like I had three heads. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. I said, I want something Cold. Different. Now, she said, how about a turtle? Sure, why not? Living wild. But I said, be sure that it's sugar free. So not only did I order a turtle, but I ordered a sugar free turtle. And then just to top it off, she said, Would you want whipped cream? And I thought about all those hot chocolate lovers. And I said, why not? So she filled it with whipped cream. Now the person behind me stepped up and said, I'll have an Americano. But I realized something that afternoon. That even though I was drinking a sugar-free iced turtle with whipped cream, and drizzle. The conversation was just as good. Even though that he was drinking the, the man's drink. The conversation was just as good. And for the last three weeks we have talked about what it would be like to sit down with some of the heroes of the faith. And to gain wisdom from their life. And the first week we, we talked about. Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we said, what would Mary have us know? And and, and we looked at that we believe that she would say, don't miss your moment with God. That there's going to be a point and a time that God comes to us and, and, and it's going to be our God moment. And she says, don't miss it. And a lot of times that moment will seem as if it's impossible. There are things that that come to you in life and and they look impossible. But Mary would say, with God, it's possible. Don't miss your God moment. The second week we we talked about Samson. And what that we believe that, that he would tell us if we could sit down with him. What wisdom he would give us. And we talked about how that that even though Samson lost his eyesight, that he would look at us and say, you don't have to be physically blind to be blinded to God's purpose for your life. 
You don't have to be physically blind to be unable to see the attacks of the enemy and then what God has for us and the purpose that He has put before us in life. Last week we looked at Isaiah and we looked at, at, at how his life and, and the, the prophecy that he gave us in the book. And how that he would tell us that, that an encounter with God changes everything. Isaiah had an encounter with God. And in that moment, everything changed. And how that if we're going to be successful in life, and if we're going to fulfill the purpose that He has for us, and the assignment that He has for us, that we have to be willing to go all in. We can't hold anything back. We have to to look at our relationship with Christ and say, God, you can have it all. So our key verse for this series has been Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. When it says, therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And when we hear that verse, we begin to realize that this life that we're living is a race. This life that we are living is not easy. It's not just a a 40-yard dash. It's a marathon. And there's going to be hills, and and there's going to be valleys, and, and there's going to be mountaintops. But as we go through life, it says there's going to be things that attempt to stop us. And what Paul says, he says, throw off everything that hinders you. Everything that the enemy uses... To keep you from your race. He says throw it off. Because it can weigh you down. It can trip you up. And so this morning I want to look at another prophet from the Old Testament. I want to look at Elijah. Now he's a, he's a great one to study. He was an Old Testament prophet. He lived about 300 years after Samson. And he lived in the the northern kingdom. You see, Israel is a story, a great story, of a group of people who God loved so much that He pulled them out of slavery, He pulled them out of bondage, He pulled them out of Egypt, and, and He allowed them to build a nation. Now, two kings into this nation, it started turning a different direction. You see, for, for two kings they had served and they had worshipped, but then they started turning into a different direction. And Israel was torn into two different kingdoms. But the northern kingdom is where Elijah was used. And Elijah was one of the great spiritual reformers of the Bible. Now, during Elijah's time, there was a king named Ahab. And he was married To Jezebel. How many people have heard of Jezebel? When I was growing up, the only reason I heard of Jezebel was my mama would say, tell my sister, you ain't going out of this house looking like Jezebel. I had no idea what that meant. But Ahab was married to Jezebel. Now, he was weak, and she was wicked. And the two of them together were trouble. They were a horrible duo. I mean, this wasn't like Batman and Robin. Jezebel and Ahab were terrible together. So God calls Elijah, and he tells him to prophesy a drought. So for three and a half years, it doesn't rain. God's trying to get their attention. So you can imagine, Ahab and Elijah, they do not get along. And so at the end of this three and a half year period, they have this moment where they face off against each other. And this is a crazy moment. If you've not read this story, there's some good stuff in here. There's some made for television stuff in here. So here we have, we have Elijah by himself. With 450 prophets of Baal and Ahab. 
And so they come together and they build an altar and they put two bowls on it. And Elijah, they say, whoever's God is God. We're going to call down fire from heaven. So Elijah, being the confident person that he was, and having the confidence that he had in God, he said, you guys go first. And so they began, and, and they began to, to do all the things that they do, and they, they started to, to, to call out to Baal, and, and Elijah started making fun of them. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's asleep. And so here they are, and, and, and they, they pray, and they pray, and, and of course nothing happens, because we know that God, the one that we serve, with a capital G, is the only God. And so they begin to, to do this, and if nothing happens, so, so Elijah says, okay, that's enough, it's my turn. And just to make it a little more interesting, he said, let's pour some water over these things. Let's pour some water on these altars. And the Bible tells us that he prays and fire falls from heaven and it consumes the bulls and it consumes the water. So in that moment, everyone there realized who the real God was. Now this is an Old Testament thing, so things get a little crazy after that and they just go ahead and kill all the prophets of Baal. Elijah then prays and rain falls. Man, he is a man of faith. And so as you begin to, to look at this story, you believe and you say, you know what? That's, that's what Elijah would tell us. He would tell us how to live by faith. He would tell us how to stand uh, against the enemy and to stand up to, to his lies. But I believe and I think that it would be a little bit different. I think that it would, would be what happened next in his life. You say, well, what happened next? In 1 Kings chapter 19, we begin to read this story. It says, when Ahab got home, so he had just left this thing that, where he was proven who the real God was. It says, when he got home and told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. So here Elijah is. He has just had a, had a great victory. God has just showed up for him. But he gets this message. And in that moment, Elijah goes from an incredible, life-changing experience, an incredible moment, to having his life threatened. And so this morning, this message is for anyone who feels like your life is falling apart. Because Elijah, in this moment... You're going to see that that's what was happening to him. All of us can identify with times in our life, and you may be at that moment right now, when your life has and it feels like that is out of control. You could have been going along just like Elijah. And you had a grasp on everything that was happening. And then just all of a sudden, something happens. We lose it. Something happens and now we're just spinning. Uh, th this could be connected to maybe your marriage or relationship. Or maybe you're at a point in life that now you're an empty nester. And you're beginning to realize that, that you don't even know who your spouse is. Maybe you're, you're just newly married. And you're just getting started. And things were going great, but then just all of a sudden... Something happens. And now you're not sure if you're really going to make it. Maybe it's your career. Maybe everything was going great, but then your boss lost their mind. 
Or you got a new coworker that just gets on your nerves. And now you're dreading going to work every day. And you feel like that you're stuck. And that you'll never get out of the situation. Maybe it's your finances. And maybe you walked in here this morning. And you don't know. We talk about Christmas. And you're thinking, I just hope that, that I have heat next month. You're carrying a massive weight. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe they are out of control. You've done everything that you know to do. And you can't seem to get through to them. You see, all of us have situations in our life that can make us feel as if we're fa- that life's falling apart. And some of our situations, of course, they look bigger than other situations. But no matter what situation that we are in, they're real. They're real. And we are living in the middle of those situations. But I believe that Elijah would be able to identify with us in our pain. I believe that Elijah would allow us to know that we aren't alone. I believe Elijah would tell us that our perspective shapes our reality. Our perspective shapes our reality. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. It says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. So now Elijah feels as if his life's been threatened. He becomes afraid. He had this amazing moment, and now his life is being threatened. And it says he was afraid, and he ran for his life. He went from having great faith. I mean, it took faith to do what Elijah did. When you've got people looking at you, and you say, my God's going to answer, and my God's going to prevail, and you stand up to the enemy, that takes faith. And he went from this great faith moment to now he was running for his life. He's running for his life. What changed? Did his calling change? No. Did his potential change? No. What changed? Nothing changed. He had been threatened before. The only thing that changed in Elijah's life, the only thing that allowed him to go from this great moment of faith to this moment of fear was his perspective. He had been threatened before. But he had went from a moment where he said, my God can do anything. To a perspective of fear. And we've all had those moments. We've all had those moments. We've had those moments when everything's going great. And then we get a bad doctor's report. And our life feels like it's falling apart. We've all had those moments when there's a battle between our faith and our fear. And at that moment, in that moment, in this moment, Elijah had a choice to make. He had a choice to make. He could either walk in the faith that he knew and he had in God, or he could turn around and he could begin to live in fear. And in those situations in our life, we have the ability to choose our perspective. Are we going to to stand up and realize and look at the situation and say, God can do anything? Or are we going to, to look at the situation and are we going to be afraid? Are we going to live in fear? You see, as children of God, one of the most important things that you can do Something that you have to understand and something that you have to realize is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, when it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. One of the most important things that you can do as a child of God is understand who your enemy is. Understand who your enemy is. Who is he? It tells us right there it's the devil. 
It is the hater of your soul. And when you have those moments, when you feel fear, and when it grasps your heart, understand where it's coming from. Be sober. Be alert. Because He's there. And He is roaming around like a roaring lion trying to destroy you. You have to be alert. You have to recognize. And so many times in, in situations that I talk to people, it, it, it never fails. They forget that He's there. And we just live our life and we're walking through life and, and we're unaware of the enemy and we let our guard down. You've got to keep your guard up. Because He wants you to live in fear. I believe that, that Elijah would tell us we are only alone if we choose to be alone. We are only alone if we choose to be alone. Let's read on in verse 3. It says, When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So here he is. He has a servant. He has somebody that's there for him. He has somebody that's walking with him. But when he gets to this town, he makes a decision. Probably feeling very sorry for himself. Running for his life. Now, I don't know about you, but I've watched enough scary movies to know that being alone is not a good idea. And you've had those moments when you're watching that and, and they are with a group of people and then they go off by themselves. That's what Elijah did here. That's what he did here. He had this servant that was walking with him, that was there for him, that would do anything for him. And he said, you stay here and I'm going to go. He isolated himself. And so many times in life, we look at situations and we say, well, they left us. I was going through this hard time and they just turned their back on me. I believe that Elijah would say, we are only alone if we choose to be alone. Because he made that choice here and we do the exact same thing. In this moment in Elijah's life, that servant could have been a great comforter to him. That servant could have been someone who would have given him strength and encouragement. But he left him. And we do the same thing. We say, you stay here, I'm going to go. You stay here, I'm going to go. And I've just been in this thing long enough and to understand and to realize and it's what this whole church and our philosophy is built around. Is that being with people of God is our only hope. I've watched it time and time and time again. Isolate yourself and you will be defeated. Isolate yourself and you're vulnerable. The next thing I believe that Elijah would tell us is that God's plan is always Always better than our plan. Aren't you thankful for that? Because some of us have some stupid plans. Some of us have some plans that make no sense. I mean, in our mind they do. So listen to what Elijah's plan was. Let's read on. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush. And he sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. That was his plan. Doesn't seem like a good plan to me, does it you? His plan was just to lay down and die. 
And I want to say that if, if you've ever had that thought, that it would just be better, we're here for you. If that thought has ever crossed your mind, we're here for you. It's not a good plan. It may seem like a good plan. To Elijah, it, it seemed like a perfect plan. Just take me, Lord. I'm done. It's not a good plan. Honestly, we do not need to trust our plans, period. Our plans are not His plans. Our ways are not His ways. Our thoughts are not His thoughts. Thank you, God, for that. You see, because when we're looking at our life, we can only see a small portion. We can only see a small portion. We are blinded to the big picture. Once again, you think about a, a scary movie, and you're sitting there watching it, and you're saying, don't go down that alley. Don't do it. Why is it you're able to do that? Because you know that they've already showed you that the person out to get them is right around the corner. Or that they're right behind them. But in that moment, that person has no idea why. Because they can't see the big picture. You don't see what God is really trying to do in your life. And just like we can see in that movie, we can see the big picture. That's the way God's perspective is. God's perspective is He can see it all. And you may be going through something right now. And you may say, I don't understand it, God. And you may think, well, this is the way that it has to happen. This is my plan. But God is saying, just trust me. God is saying, go from a perspective of fear and get back to a perspective of faith. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we get back from a perspective of fear to a perspective of faith? 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. Get up and eat. The word there in some translations actually said that the angel violently shook him. He said, I know it looks hopeless, but shake it off. This isn't the end. I know it looks like that your life is over, but this isn't the end. Get up and eat. And in our life, I believe Elijah would say we have to have those moments that we wake up and we realize that it isn't over. That it may look dark. And that we may be laying under a broom bush just wanting to die. But he's saying, get up. Fight on. Shake it off. With God, it isn't over. You see, our way out of the situation is not through anything that we can do, but it's only through Him. And I believe Elijah would say, in that moment, in that moment, when we feel like that life is falling apart. When life feels like it's falling apart, Elijah would say, the first thing that you need to do is you need to let go and let God. Let go and let God. Let go of your plans and go with God's plan. Let go of your fear and receive and have faith in God. No matter what you're facing, no matter how difficult that it may be, let go and let God. So what does Elijah do? He gets up off the ground. And we read on in verse 9. It says, there he went into a cave. And he spent the night. So he had this moment. He gets up and eats. And it takes a couple of times. And then at that moment, he goes into a cave. And he replied... He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put up your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. You ever felt like that? 
You ever had this conversation with God? God is just me against the world. That's where Elijah was. God, I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to to kill me too. So in that moment, Elijah was honest with God. God is a big God and He can handle our honesty. Elijah looked at him and he told him exactly. He let go of what he was feeling. He let go of it. And so then the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. I can imagine Elijah's frustration probably was at an all-time high at this moment. Because all these things are happening, but he says, God, you're not there. I don't see you. said then after the fire came a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So here he was. And the first thing that he had done, he had And the first thing that we must do is we must choose to let go of it all. Let's finish this. It says, when he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave, then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous. The exact same thing he had just told God in the cave. He comes out. He stands there and he says the exact same thing. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. So here he was. And when he was in the cave, he had chose to let go of it all. He was in that cave, and in that moment, he told God exactly the way that he felt. And there are times in our life that that we need to choose to let go. We need to choose to let go of it all. But here's what happens. We make that decision that we're going to let go of it all, but we're really still not trusting Him. We're still walking in darkness We're still, we might be saying it with our mouth. But that fear is still ringing in our mind. That frustration is still going over my, you ever been in a cave? What is there in a cave when you scream out? There's an echo, right? So everything that you say goes back into your your ears. You hear it again. Let that sink in a minute. That's what happened to Elijah here. He was in the cave. He said, I'm going to let go of it all. But he was still in darkness. He said, I'm going to let go of it all. But he still really wasn't trusting God. And everything that he said, all of his frustrations, even though he was speaking it with his mouth, he didn't, it didn't get out of here. He said, but he heard God. He came out of the cave. He came out of the darkness. And then he let go out of it all. He let go out of it all. He said, I've come out of the darkness. I know the situation looks grim, but God, I'm completely trusting in you. And he said the exact same thing that he said while he was in the cave. But in this moment, he had come out of the darkness. He had heard the voice of God. And when he let go of it this time, it was completely different. 
some of, some of us, we've cried out to God. We've come to the altar and we've cried out to Him. But we're still not trusting Him. When we get up and we leave, it's still in here. We haven't let go out of it all. We haven't came out of the darkness. We're still thinking about that frustration. But when we truly get in the presence of God and we say, God, I'm going to let go of it once and for all. Once and for all. God, I've struggled with this for too long. I'm giving it to you. I'm not going to listen to the lies of the enemy. I'm not going to replay it over in my head. God, I'm giving it to you, and I am letting go once and for all. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know what happens when we go before God? You know what happens? It says that the peace of God will come in. The peace of God will come in. When you finally give it to Him once and for all, when you go to Him in every situation with prayer and with thanksgiving, and you let go of it once and for all, the peace of God will come in, and God can work out a miracle in your life. God can, has the ability to give us and will give us supernatural peace. You say, but, but, but I don't have my answer yet. And I say, but God. But, but I'm still in the middle of it. But God. I don't see a way out. But God. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 15. It says, then the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael, king, of, <clears throat> king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, <clears throat> king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from Abel, to succeed you as prophet. And Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. He said, you thought you were alone, but let me tell you, that whole time that you've been in this situation, I've had a plan. He says, get up. And go back the way that you came. And the first thing that I believe Elijah would tell us to give us some wisdom as we finish up our conversation with him is to let God direct your path. Let God direct your path. He looked at Elijah and he said, go back the exact same way that you came. Let him direct your path. Well, how does he do that? We know that the Word of God is dependable. We know that in Psalms it says that it is a light to our path. Let Him direct our path. Let Him decide which way that we go. Follow after Him. Secondly, let God determine your plans. Let Him determine your plans. He told Elijah, He said, go anoint these people. Anoint them with oil. Do you know that when we become followers of Christ and the Holy Spirit begins to reside in us and we begin to, to allow Him to direct our paths, that we're anointed with the Holy Spirit, that we have and can have the third person of the Trinity living in us, and that we have that voice That wants to determine our plans. Jesus told us that, that the Holy Spirit will allow us to walk in and guide us into all truth. Let God determine your plans. He told Elijah, this is what you need to do. And there's some of us 
that we hear God say that and the Holy Spirit speaks into our life, but we're still not letting Him determine our plans because we think that we have better plans than He does. Elijah says, my plan was to die because I thought the situation was so dire. My plan was to give up. He said, but now here I am in this moment. And I've heard the voice of God. And now, he's allowed me to know that he has a plan. And I'm beginning to see. I can't see it all. But I know that he has a plan. And he's allowed me to know that I'm not alone. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. He has a plan. He has a plan. Lastly, I believe Elijah would tell us, Let God demonstrate his providence. I know that's a churchy word. Providence. What does it really mean? God's protective care. God's protective care. You see, God is a loving Father. A Father who wants to protect us. A Father who wants to lead us. But so many times we take it out of His hands. We have to learn to wait on God. Like Moses said, there was a point that Moses said, I'm not moving unless you go with me. We need to know that God is with us. And that when we walk, He walks with us. We need to have the ability to let go of anger, to let go of anxiety, and exchange those for the peace and the confidence in Christ. Let Him demonstrate His love, His protection, His providence. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. Don't give up. Don't walk away. Trust Him. Keep running the race. Keep pressing toward the prize. Romans 8.31 This is what it all comes down to. Everything that I've said comes down to this verse. When Paul writes, What then shall we say in response to these things? What then shall we say in response to these things? this needs to resonate in your heart what shall we say if God is for us who can be against us that's what it all comes down to when we become aware and realize that the enemy is after us we can become so fearful and so confused and so scared just like Elijah was. Elijah was having one of those what have you done for me lately moments. And we're all there. We've been there. And the enemy is snatching at our heels. What do we say in response to these things? My God is for me. I don't have to fear. If my God is for me, I can't be defeated. If my God is for me, 
who can be against me. With every head bowed. You may be here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm discouraged. I'm hurting. I'm confused. I feel as if my life is out of control. up your hand. Thank you. I thank you. I feel like my life's out of control. Thank you. And I I thank you. I've come to the altar and I've prayed before. But it seems like I end up in the same place. You may be here this morning and say, Pastor, I have never truly trusted in God. I've never really given my heart to Him. I've never really committed my steps to Him. I've never asked Him to come into my life and to be my Lord and to be my Savior. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to be your Father. Would there be one that says, Pastor, that's me. I've never committed my life to Him. Or I did at one point and just to be honest, just I'm not following Him like I know I need to. Would it be another? God loves you. Just as God whispered to Elijah when he was in his darkness, I believe the Holy Spirit is whispering to some hearts right now. I believe he's whispering to some hearts right now. And he's saying, come out of the darkness. Out of the darkness, let go of it, give it to me. You say, Pastor, I've done it before. I've been to that altar in the eight months that we've been here. I've been there so many times. He's whispering and saying, Let go of it one more time, but let go of it once for all. As you stand, if you're here this morning and the the enemy has done everything that he can do this morning to keep us from having an encounter with God. He's not going to win. He's not going to win. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. Whether you raised your hand or not, and the Holy Spirit is, is whispering to your heart right now. You're not here by accident. You're not here for any other reason than God has a plan. And the Holy Spirit is whispering to your heart right now. He's saying, let go of it. Come out of the darkness and let go of it. Come out of it all and let go of it. Once and for all, let go of it. But you may be scared. You may be feeling like, I don't want to be a failure. I don't want to come to the altar and pray and then walk away feeling the same way 
And I'm just saying, come have an encounter with God. Because an encounter with Him, one encounter with Him, just as we heard from Isaiah last week, one encounter with Him can change your life forever. So I'm going to pray. They're going to start to sing. And if you're here this morning and you want prayer, and you want people that will walk beside you, who will be that and those people, who will say, get up and eat. God's got a plan. If you want that, as I begin to pray and as they begin to sing, don't let the enemy talk you out of what God wants to do at 1208 on November 17th. Don't let him talk you out of having an encounter with God. So don't hesitate. As I pray, come to this altar and let's agree with each other. You hear me, Father, I come before you right now. God, you see every person in this auditorium. God, you know hurts. You know needs. God, you know struggles. You know the issues that we face. And God, Father, I pray right now, God, that you will step into this place. And God, that no matter what we're going through, God, that you will allow us to know, God, that you're with us. God, there's people here in this moment. God, they feel just like Elijah. They want to walk to the tree, sit down, give up, die. Holy Spirit, just as the angel came to Elijah, Holy Spirit, speak into their lives and allow them to know that they need to to get up, to shake it off, and to eat. Because there's a work for them to do. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I come against every...